from the number one best-selling author of Life Rescripted. You're now tuning in to the Year of Purpose podcast. I'm Zephan Moses Blacksburg. Mara Sweeney is an author, podcaster, Huffington Post contributor, and international speaker called the Ambassador of Happiness by the UNESCO Center for Peace. Groomed to become a New Jersey lawyer, she left law school midstream to discover her own life's purpose. Today, she shares engaging and thought-provoking stories that inspire others to see themselves through a brighter and more purposeful lens. With her living happy inside-out mantra, she empowers others to convert their inner thoughts to experience a happier outward life. What's going on today? I am so happy to be here (laughs) talking to you, Zephan. Seriously, this is like my life coming full circle, talking to people I've never met, exchanging really great ideas, um, and inspiring other people in the process. So thanks so much for having me on today. Totally. And, you know, you have an unfair advantage here because you're calling in from Florida. So while I'm stuck here in this rainy, cold weather, you might have some rain, but I bet it's a little bit warmer down there. You know what? Earlier today, we did have some rain, but I am in my office right now looking outside at the palm trees, the sunshine. And after we're over, I may actually go sit in the sun for a little while. (laughs) So I love it. And you know what? I grew up in New Jersey, right outside of New York City. And as a little girl, I always had difficulty in the winter time as soon as the the leaves would fall off the trees i used to think oh my gosh i'm gonna have to hibernate i would imagine the entire winter season is being cold rainy and gray and i would always wait till like april when things would come alive and here i am many years later living in florida the very i'm experiencing the very state that i used to dream about as a little child And uh, I've since also learned that regardless of where I am, I could always be in that happy state of sunshine. (laughs) That's awesome. It's funny to hear you say this because I'm actually, I'm sitting here at my desk looking at my bottle of vitamin D that I take through the winter because I get, you know, like just the winter blues a little bit when the sun isn't out so much. I'm so used to being outside during the summer Um, as a rower. I'm like always on the water. And uh, so the winter's tough, but at least, you know, when I'm inside, I've got this whole podcasting thing. Now I get to talk to some cool people and uh, they can kind of send some sunshine over the radio waves. Happy to do it. (laughs) (laughs) So let's jump into like, how does someone drop out of law school? Like, how do you go from this? You know, I feel like law school is something that most people have to want to do. They don't just say, "Eh, I guess I'll do this. Like most people are pretty dedicated to it. Like, where does this sort of bump in the road come in? And you're just like, "Eh, I don't think this is for me. You know, you bring up an excellent point. You do have to want to do it. I would sense that maybe unlike some other careers where let's say accounting where you go into the office and each day you're doing the same thing when you embark on a career of law it is a passion it's a vocation and it's really got to be something that you have a flame and a fire for and in my case it was not my choice. It was just uh, sort of applied to me. Uh, my girlfriend used to tell me when I was growing up, she said, Maura, you were groomed as a child. And it was true. My family expected me from the time I was maybe five years old to grow up and become a lawyer. My grandfather was a, uh, a powerful lawyer in the New York, New Jersey area. And 
people always said to me, well, Moore is going to be a lawyer just like her grandfather. And no one ever said to me, would you like to be a lawyer? And the truth was, Zach, that I was the eldest of three children. I was a kind of a do-gooder. I was also a pleaser. And I was also, I had one of those personalities, let's say, looking for approval uh, from my parents, from my family. So I always did what I was told. So fast forward, I end up going through a college. One of my majors was political science. I took a second one, Spanish literature, because I love the language and really envisioned myself as a foreign dignitary to South America. And then I end up at law school uh, in New Jersey, living back at home in Jersey. And back when I went to school, um, if you went to law school, not many people did. And if you graduated from law school, you were expected to practice most likely in the state that you uh, got your law degree from. And all I kept thinking was, oh my gosh, from the time I was a little girl, all I did was dream about living in Florida or somewhere where it was warm. And beyond that, I was really more of a creative type. I was very much a visionary. You know, I can remember being in fourth grade when the sun would start coming out in the springtime. And and again, the sunshine would be out, all the leaves would be on the trees. The teacher would be teaching in the front of the class and I would be daydreaming about, oh, I'd love to be outside in the warmth. So here I was midstream through law school and I thought I just can't do it anymore because what I saw in front of me was a path that was going to be hmm, unlike anything I was and it was really draining the life that was in me. I really wanted to do something in life that gave me joy and purpose and I felt like law was not going to do it so it took everything out of me to tell the people at law school I was taking a leave of absence, not telling them that the leave was a permanent one, and then telling my family that I needed to, you know, to take another uh, another path in life. It was huge for me, really huge, because, you know, if you were related like I was to that whole idea of being a people pleaser, Mm-hmm. and realizing that you could not carry that kind of a weight for the rest of your life. That was basically my, my turnoff point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that when you're a people pleaser, you're kind of living by other people's agenda. You know, we talk about how um, the first thing you don't want to do in the morning is check your phone the second you wake up because all of a sudden the emails start coming through. You know, you're already starting to follow what somebody else wants from you as opposed to what you want from you. So, you know, if you have a morning routine, uh, that's going to throw a wrench in it right away because the second you start answering emails is the second that you give up that freedom to really follow, you know, your core desires. You know, you're right. And there's something that comes to mind. Now, back in the 80s when I was in law school, we didn't have cell phones. But this is what I got. I remember the closer I was getting toward that graduation date, the heavier I felt, literally heavier. And I had this vision um, that was with me all the time. I felt like I would get out of bed in the morning and I was responsible for carrying a second me known as Mora, and I'd have to strap her onto my right shoulder and carry her along everywhere I went. So basically, the 
picture I had in my head was I was carrying a cadaver of myself and carrying that cadaver every day got heavier and heavier and heavier and there came a day I remember sitting in the seat in my um in my apartment and feeling like I couldn't get out of it to get into the car and take myself to school and that was my day and I thought I just can't I physically couldn't carry myself any longer or couldn't carry the fake me (laughs) yeah I mean that's that's a lot of weight to bear and I think that there's probably a ton of people that are tuning in right now that feel that weight I think that you know that's that's part of the audience that we attract to the show here is you know if I look two years back, I mean, maybe two and a half years, that's kind of the weight that I was carrying too. You know, I was working in a job that really didn't suit me. Uh, I wasn't really using my skills. And I, you know, I felt the same. It's kind of like you ache and hurt to get up and go to work in the morning. And for me, I was like, I'm not even 30 yet. Like my body should not be reacting in the way in which it is. Like I'm not ready for a hip replacement or a knee replacement just because, you know, I I feel terrible about what I'm doing. Um, And I think uh, maybe you've experienced this too, is, you know, you almost have this biological or physiological response uh, to the mental stress and the mental weight um that's hitting you at the time wow i'm shocked listening to you see i was 23 when i had to get off that path uh and you were 30 the what i always tell people is if they were to go to my website mora and look into the section that says about mora there is a photograph of me uh, midway through law school just before i left and if you were to look at me you would think who is this lost person? I looked like a walking cadaver. My eyes, my downcast face, you can see that I was not connecting with my own life force. And then if you look just a little ways down on that page, you will see a picture of me 30 years later, and you'll think, I can't believe it's the same person. So in my head, back at 23 years old, in law school, I, I felt the weight that I was carrying of a fake me a secondary me. And then, if you look at me later, where the weight was removed and I had spent the the next 30 years just finding myself, finding my own way, living from the inside of me outwardly, in other words, pursuing things I was interested in, developing skills and curiosities and talents that were mine and mine alone, you could see the life fill itself out in me. So it's it's a really it's an amazing thing and I think that everyone if they allow themselves can relate to that at some form or at some level. Yours you said you felt it physiologically. In my case, I just literally felt like I was carrying a ton of bricks. Like think about Santa Claus except instead of carrying toys, he's carrying a huge bag of bricks. That's what I felt like. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly, it takes its toll on you. But let me ask you this, you know, you were saying how uh, if you look at this photo and the 30-year difference, you know, mm-hmm. you can see there's a big difference, obviously, in the later photo in a good way, for sure. Um, you know, I'm sure some people are sitting there and saying, well, is it going to take me 30 years? I mean... God I, forbid. <laughs> yeah, so, so let me ask you, you know, like... It, 
I would say, first of all, is this something that's going to take everyone 30 years? And should they just say, oh, my gosh, like it's never going to happen? Or, you know, how can they almost speed up that process? You know, is there one or two things that you really learned along the way that might have taken you longer because you had to learn it the hard way that perhaps somebody could put into their life, you know, put into place right now? And maybe in the next six months, they turn it around. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, one of the reasons why I blog and do podcasts and videos, in fact, right now I am finishing up my first ever Foundations on Happiness e-course. Everything I'm about is inspiring people to live happy from the inside, meaning instead of running after everything they're told to do, check in with their inner GPS. Now, what took me for such a long time to figure out and develop on my own, I would think that people could do in a very short order, obviously not overlooking the fact that they need to pursue it and make it a new form of life for themselves. But I take my whole life journey and give it to people so that they can look at it and think, wow, look at all these lessons that this woman took years to acquire. I can get those things right now and I can apply them right now. But also, before we started this actual interview, you and I were talking offline and I said to you that we are living in a time where people are getting things much more quickly. I was born during an era when most people didn't think about the finer points in life. And when I say finer points, it's the question that said, who am I? What am I doing here? What are those things that really make me happy from the inside? What is my purpose? Where do I really get that sense of um living out an authentic life. People didn't think that way when I was growing up. People didn't talk that way. I felt that way. But the path to getting there was almost like I was forging my own path when there weren't other way showers. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I think at some point in time, it certainly feels like it's it's something you have to force or make happen. Uh, I, I think a big thing for me has been... Uh, the funny thing about all of this is that when I do try to sit there and force something as opposed to just saying uh, or making an intention and just saying, hey, world, you know, here's what I'm about and here's who I am and, and I'm dedicated to this. I've found that things kind of click in a place much better than to sit there uh, and question, you know, what is my purpose? If I just sit there and say, what is my purpose? Here's a pen and paper. Let's rock this out. It, nothing's really going to come out of that. And I think that's one of the hardest parts today is that, uh, you know, and this is important for the listeners tuning in is to understand if you sit there with a pen and paper and ask yourself, what is my purpose? And think that by the end of the night, you're going to figure it all out. That's not how it works. That's not how it's going to work. It's never going to happen that way. Uh, so maybe as a follow-up to that, just to ask you, you know, how can we ask better questions or discover or learn more about ourselves uh, without kind of straightforward asking the question that we know isn't going to give us the answer right on the spot. You know, I, you're really touching on something that is very important. It's really a twofold process. Number one, a lot of people, especially those who have been following the patterns that the world sets around them, they forget to even inquire of themselves. But Inside, they kind of know where their happy zone is or what that what their genuine self is, uh, but they don't often ask. So I always say this, close your eyes, 
put your hand over your heart or let's say right below your collarbone and just sit quietly and start surveying your past. You know, all of us had a time in our lives before our parents, our school teachers or anybody else in society said, no, you can't do that. And I always ask people, go back and think about what things you used to enjoy doing and the moment a happy thought comes to mind and your face starts to smile, you've just landed on something that's a part of who you really are, a part of you that's looking to express itself in the outside world. Once you connect with that little happy thought, that's your thread. That's like the starting point. And then you've got to take step two. And in step two, that's the part where you take outer um, efforts to apply yourself to those things you like. You know, there are many people, they want to sit in a room and just contemplate or meditate. But you've got to take the inside person and start working it into your outside world. So that means like, okay, there was something I was interested in when I was a little kid. Um, how can I connect with it today? I'll give you a perfect example. I was told I was supposed to be this lawyer uh, when I was a little girl. And I would go to my grandfather's office and while he was meeting with everybody and his clients, I was transfixed by his legal secretary. And I love the fact that she was typing official documents on her typewriter. And you know what that, when I think back to my childhood, that makes me smile because I knew as a little girl that anytime somebody could write something professionally and it was a document, that it was important and it just, I loved it. So what am I today? I am an author. I'm a publisher. I'm a Huffington Post blogger. I take my ideas and I put them into print. So here you get this little child. I was preschool age and I'm enamored by that. And I take that thought. And so what do I do? I start working on my writing. I start practicing my writing. And I keep doing it until, and I keep looking for ways to use my writing. And eventually I start connecting with things and then I become something new. So I took what I was interested in on the inside, but I practiced it in the physical realm. So that's where I think people need to make those connections. And you don't know exactly how it's going to evolve, but by constantly applying yourself, you sort of find your way around. Yeah, I'm actually really happy that you brought this up for two reasons. So one, for the people tuning in right now, uh, one of the biggest mentors in my life who actually was on your Purpose podcast episode uh, 19, Misty Burmeister, one of the big things she taught me, and maybe she mentioned it either in that episode or just in passing with me, was saying uh, a lot of people are trying to figure out these happy thoughts and connect the dots and figure out uh, you know, what it is that they should at least start to follow because it's a little hard to explore a new idea or a new path if you don't have some sort of starting point. And she was telling me that if you take like a journal and at night write down just any thoughts or ideas that come to you for a month and at the end of each week circle the the top two or three things that like kept coming up over and over again and at the end of the month nail it down to like the two things that just kept coming up for you over and over in your head and those are the things that you should follow next and that was just such a huge thing for me because that that played a big difference in my life and then i'm also really glad that you talked about this idea of 
of your child, you know, your inner child and going back to that. Um, you know, it's something that I mentioned in my book, Life Rescripted. I had an experience going into a float tank, which is a lightproof, soundproof chamber. It's filled with a thousand pounds of Epsom salt and about six inches deep of water. And you float in it until, uh, roughly five or 10 minutes into it, you get into this super meditative, relaxed experience. And the thing that I saw in my vision while I was experiencing this was my inner child. And the crazy part was he was, you know, five or six years old, but almost it was like he knew every answer to my questions that even the 35 year old me would have, you know, the the 10 years older than where I am, me would have. And so I think that you're very right. There's this sort of inner child or inner guidance or whatever it is of, you know, this thing that we were so passionate about as kids uh, that's still there. And I think we fall away from that as we get older. It's almost like we become jaded as we go through life. You know, we we lost sight of this dream. Uh, You could go back to the Peter Pan analogy of, you know, he forgot who he was as he grew older and forgot that he could fly, right? And I think that when you go back and really find that core belief or core one or two things that you used to do all the time, I think that's where you're really on to something. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. It's funny. You can't see me, but all I'm doing is yesing you. Um, I love the fact that you brought up the idea of the journal because I've always been a person who journals. And do you see the practice that you just explained? That is no different from what I'm sharing to do by putting your hand over your chest because what you're doing is removing your attention away from your busy mind, which is your intellect. That's the portion that is formed by society. It's formed by the media. It's formed by your teachers. It's formed by your peer groups. When you reconnect, whether by the journal, and it's funny, this woman you said was telling you to do it at night. Do you know what I most frequently write in the journal? first thing in the morning mm. because I've just waken I've just awoken and it's that same place when you're asleep just like you described in the tank that's the real you that's on the inside that has been forgotten about or let's say ignored and you're giving that inner you or that inner child an opportunity to speak and the more I feel that you follow that inner child, the happier you become because you unify your personality, you unify your interests, you unify your um, your value systems, and you become this more fully embracing, fully alive individual rather than being a fractured person, which is what most of the world convinces us to do. So I want to stay within the same chapter here, if you will, but almost turn the page in a sense to comfort zones, because this is in this type of conversation, this is kind of the part where some people uh, either get distracted or or kind of say, oh, man, they're getting to that like woo woo side of things. It's getting weird. And I don't want it to go too far like i i think that there's this interesting line that we can straddle and your comfort zone and and in learning who you are and who you want to be is definitely going to get pushed you know our outside of our comfort zone is definitely the space where uh we get pushed to learn more about ourselves in a way in which we're not used to learning um you know we're certainly exploring stuff that we don't typically explore as a lawyer when you were in college you know you're learning about the law and throughout our lives we're trained to learn about 
topics, whether it's our business or what we do for a living or maybe a hobby that we have. And very rarely do we take the moment to move outside of that bubble and learn about ourselves. And this is where people get uncomfortable. Maybe share a little bit about how um, you know you adopted to this space of being you know in an uncomfortable space um but how it's almost like you've fully embraced it now you've fully embraced uh this person that you were supposed to become uh despite the process i'm sure being a bumpy road over the last 30 years yeah mine was really incremental and yet i will tell you each of us has our own life path i knew at some level with all the things i did i had a background in corporate um corporate management i helped my husband build a business i first time I was a homeschooling mom I at another point I was doing a lot of um, uh, advocacy work so in each one of these stages in my life I knew they were all building blocks for me they were all personal growth and yet my bigger story in life was not yet ready to come out and debut but I want to just talk about this comfort zone thing and how how incredibly freeing it is when you exit your comfort zones I said to you when I was little, I was really groomed. I was groomed to be inside a box, and everything about the box was very boxy, let's say. I had to be smart, I had to be very serious, and yet really what I was was a free spirit personality who loved people, um, and I was very creative. I knew as a little girl that I wanted to learn how to dance, and yet that was never part of my training. So can you imagine turning 49, almost 50 years old, and I finally step out, literally as well as figuratively, of my comfort zone and start learning how to dance by enrolling in a college class. Now imagine how much mental baggage by that point in my life had a I had acquired. And you talk about comfort zones, it's okay. I know I'm smart, I'm academic, I know I can do well in business, I know I'm a good parent, I know I'm great at entertaining people at my home, but can I move my body in a way that's graceful, that is coordinated? Well, I never had the chance, and here I am, all of a sudden, putting myself out there. And I have to tell you, Zephan, that was huge for me. It meant that I had to get rid of thoughts about, oh, I'm too old to learn something that most kids learn when they're five, right? Um, that I can do something that's unlike every bit of the personality I was trained to be. Thirdly, I could see myself in a much more uh, graceful way. I had to fight so much of that. And yet, I will tell you, going through the process of learning how to dance, which was exiting the comfort zone, freed me in ways that were so dramatic that I ended up launching a book series about um, the art of happiness and the first the first chapter within the book series or the first mini book in the series was called Exiting the Comfort Zone, Dance or Die. Every one of us really comes from a much broader perspective, but life will put us into small silos and we forget about the bigger part of ourselves. And it's the stepping out of our little silos into the bigger places where we know we want to be that helps break down a lot of the uh, the walls we've erected, helps us offload a lot of the mental baggage we've carried and lets the life in us just 
I want to say step out into full view. And we end up with so much more energy, enthusiasm, and brightness. And that, to me, is a universal um, message. You don't have to learn how to dance to exit a comfort zone. But when you do, you end up stepping more into who you really are and in part freeing yourself and giving this voice to everybody else out there that sees you. Yep, you go free yourself too and step out of your own comfort zone. Yeah, I mean, I think that the only way you're going to grow is through moving past this comfort zone place. So I agree 100% with everything that you're saying. And, you know, Mara, this has been an amazing conversation so far. Uh, I want to do something unique to close out this episode. You know, I, by trade, am a video editor. uh, And something that video editors do is, you know, I might go and film an event and come home with 200, 300, sometimes 400 video clips, right? And at the end of the day, when I put my video together, if you look at the timeline, you know, I might use 50, 60, 100 of these video clips to tell one story. But when I make that video, at the very end, it doesn't matter whether I put two clips, 100 clips, 200 clips into making this video, it all ends up being one file, you know, one YouTube video. And no one really sees all the tiny pieces put together that make this one story. But I'd love to ask you real quick, and maybe this this might be challenging, but take all the different stories and all the different clips of your life right now. And if you were to squeeze them together into one video, what would be the one message that you would want to leave with people that you want to resonate the most with people? I'm here to help you find yourself and find your own sense of happiness. That's it. I feel like everything I do, Zeph, is a like a hologram no matter what people read that I write or watch what I do or listen to me speak. That same message is contained in all of it. I'm here to help you find your own personal path to happiness from the inside out. And I just love doing it. It's like I feel like I'm here for that specific reason. Everybody's got a great life story. Most people don't know how to work it out. And I help them get there. That's awesome. And Mara, what's the best way for people tuning in right now who are like, you know, I need to learn more about this person that Zephan's talking to. Uh, You know, how can I find your website? You know, what's what's your book called? What's the best way to learn more? The very easiest way is to go to my website, which is my name, Mara, M-A-U-R-A, followed by the number four and the letter U. As you can tell, moraforyou.com because I am for you to help you. And when you get there, if um, if you like to read blogs or even go onto Huffington Post, there's a link for my blogs on Huffington Post. There's access to over 200 of my YouTube videos. If you're a podcast listener, there are links to my iTunes and Stitcher podcasts. There's a free book to download. I'm just releasing this week my um first ever Foundations to Happiness course. And so you can find everything at moreforyou.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for spending your afternoon with me. And uh, I definitely look forward to continuing this conversation offline. But uh, thank you to the listeners, everyone tuning in today. If you like this episode, of course, go ahead and check out uh, the book, her website, uh, you know, check out more of our episodes if you really like this stuff. And thank you for being a part of the Year of Purpose podcast. Thanks for being here today, Maura. And I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you, too. Hey everyone, it's Zeph. 
Did you like this episode? Be sure to subscribe so that you can tune in next week and tell a friend about the show. If you want access to free training and exclusive interviews on success, happiness, lifestyle design, and adventure, visit me at yearofpurpose.com. Until next time, go out and let life surprise you so that you can live a life rescripted. scripted